Hey everybody, it's Bill Courtney with an Army of Normal Folks. Let's get started with part two of our conversation with Cornbread Hustle founder, Sherry Garcia, on her teenage meth addiction, right after these brief messages from our generous sponsors. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I got to ask you, and it's just, it's just my curious nature, but I don't understand the problems. I, my mom was married and divorced five times. Okay. 
My my Ford dad shot at me down a hallway with a thirty eight caliber pistol. My father left when I was young, and I had no relationship with him. I had lots of trauma coming up. Fortunately, I don't have an addictive personality, and I didn't go down the the drug thing. I'm not saying I didn't drink and get drunk and do stupid stuff when I was younger, because I did. But I, I I keep hearing that you were trying to escape some of your realities and all of that, but I don't I don't hear what the horrible realities were for you. I mean, oh, for me that now it sounds trivial. But it was having a 430 credit score entering into my adult life. It was the fact that I didn't even take my SAT test. It was the fact that I didn't even know where to start for college and is college even for me. It was the fact that while all my friends went to college and got their lives going, I was literally selling and doing drugs. Were you feeling like a loser? Absolutely. So and, it was it was self-hate. Yeah, a lot of self-hate. And um, really, honestly, it was just me not wanting to do the hard work to fix my life. And meth felt good. Hmm. It's, it's that simple. So the cop basically convinced you that you were going to look like uh, Mrs. Potato Head by the age of 30. And that was that. But you're still drinking. It, yeah. And yeah, to me, I felt like alcohol it was legal and oh well like to me and well i mean let's be honest if you're a complete meth addict and you're able to put it down and you can you certainly drink. justify well i can handle alcohol yeah yeah i definitely didn't handle it too well but, but that's I the did justification yeah, I, I get it yeah i'm like and you're proud of yourself hey yeah. i kick meth. give me a handle of vodka mm-hmm. i'm good so i ended up um i didn't go straight to of course i was getting drunk pretty right away um, partying though, normal young girl going out to clubs, partying, having a good time, the hangovers. I wasn't drinking all day, every day or anything or drinking any every at day. First. At first I wasn't at all. Um, where, what replaced my meth addiction was workaholism hmm. and, um, seeking validation through success. So I ended up Getting a job in the newsroom. I worked really hard to get the job in the newsroom, like really hard. I even. What kind of job? So I wanted to be a reporter. And that's what I was but doing. But you don't have a degree in journalism. Exactly. So that's what I was doing in high school. <laughs> that's funny. This is going to be a good story. I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> Go ahead. So, you, you have just, no degree in journalism. You just leaned over like a little teenage girl ready. Like you should well, put your you, legs you ha- up behind you. You, you and- have no degree in journalism and um, I don't look anything like a teenage girl. <laughs> um, you have no degree in journalism and you... Um, have basically spent your junior and senior year on meth. Yeah. And you want to work in the newsroom. Yep. And you just told me you got the job in the newsroom. How'd that happen? I got two jobs in the newsroom, but it took a couple years. Two jobs in one newsroom? Two jobs in two separate newsrooms. So I basically, (laughs) I've always gone the unconventional route as it relates to getting- (laughs) Really? I'm shocked. I'm sure our (laughs) listeners are like, wow, that's a shock. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, uh, I got to hang out with you. If I get stuck out here, I'm coming to you. The meth cheerleader proclaiming she goes the (laughs) non-traditional route. Yep. There's 
a new, there's a news flash for our newsroom person. <laughs> yeah, breaking news. Yeah. So, um, anyways, I ended up watching the news rel- relentlessly, taking notes. Who's the reporter? I'd go to Facebook, add them. I'd reach out to them. Hey, I'm an aspiring news reporter. Can I just shadow you? I went to an event that Mark Cuban was hosting for the media once, and I was like, "Hi, I'm Sherry. I'm I'm trying to be a news reporter." You said this to Mark Cuban? Yeah. Of course and, you did. Why he, not? Yeah, and he was like, "Okay, well, here's a media pass. Let's see what you got. Do write some blogs." And so I literally created like my own little news station world, and I was making demo reels. I was I learned everything about being a news reporter. I did a 12-week program where I really applied everything I was learning where they basically it's 12 weeks they're out of business now. They were charging people like 10 grand for 12 weeks. And you're probably asking how did you get the 12 grand? My aunt co-signed a credit card for me. So I used um a Sally Mae credit card to pay 10 grand to do like a 12-week program where I learn from news reporters how to write a news story, how to f- do a demo reel. And so I just kept trying and trying and trying and trying. And I was that girl that was calling every Friday like, hey, how's your kids? Sherry, we're not going to hire you. Like, okay. I finally, I was driving all over the place. Do you have an auditory problem? I don't think so. Well, I just, I mean, (laughs) clearly you couldn't hear no. (laughs) (laughs) So... (laughs) You keep calling and asking about their kids. My kids I, are fine. We're I, not hiring you. Look, I go I, back to Golden Corral. I just I go back to Golden Corral. Right. Dang it. I just thought that they'd change their mind and they did. Thank you very much. How? Because I, well, it was on accident that I got creative. It was because I had no gas money and I, I was driving around and hand delivering my resume. So I called a Pizza Hut that was right next to the CBS 11 in Fort Worth. And I this is back when you could still fax, digitally fax something. And I said, I have a favor that I if I if I ask you to do a favor, will you do it? And they're like, okay. I said, if I fax you my resume, will you tape it on a pizza box? I just need a regular cheese pizza because I was like, what if she's what if she's vegetarian? You know what? Like, <laughs> I don't want to offend anyone. So a regular cheese pizza. And I put uh, they put my resume face down on the pizza and I had them write on the back of it, if you hire me, I will deliver. Oh, my god! And I finally got great. the job. <laughs> Hold it. That's great. <laughs> that Now, that is, that's, that's, okay, so, nice pun, and they, and they hired you? Yes, they did. So, I became- Because the- they like cheese pizza? So, the guy that hired me swore- That was like, a joke, Sherry. Obviously, oh, they didn't hire you because they like cheese pizza. Well, not because they like cheese pizza, but I knew the pizza got me in, but he swore up and down I was a fit for the job, and it wasn't the pizza. And I was like, okay, but y'all called me right after I sent the pizza. But yeah, and, and told me no for two years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, I mean, they had already gone through different news directors how long I've been trying to get a job there. So, <laughs> that's why I kept calling. You so, know, you got a job at the newsroom. In the, the fifth pizza. largest market, when everyone told me that, Sherry, you can't even get a job in an entry-level podunk town if you don't have a college degree because every pretty girl in the world wants to be on TV and be a news reporter. It's a prerequisite just to have a college degree. And I was like, let's see. Not only did I get a job in the fifth largest market at CBS 11 as an assignment editor, 
I got a job as a producer at KXII in Sherman, Texas, the other CBS affiliate. So every single day I drive, I lived in Frisco. Oh, you were both jobs? I worked both jobs seven days a week. Wow. Four days at CBS 11 in Fort Worth and three days at KXII. That's a great story, but you're still sucking down the vodka, aren't you? Well, I didn't even have, yes, I was, but as a party girl, like I wasn't, Okay. I wasn't, uh, it wasn't problematic yet. Got I was it. a workaholic, remember? I yeah, traded right. meth for, I got you. for work. Okay. Yeah, that's what kept me from feeling my feelings. The success of being like, being able, oh my gosh, like. It was the perfect job for me because my life Were people was... like home, like, how did that meth cheerleader, no college girl get that job? Probably. I don't know. I think everyone, when I look back at my yearbook and all the things people wrote to me, they all wrote that I'm going to be very successful. And I'm because remember, I was the girl that I started a news station in my high school and became the anchor, the new, the sports <laughs> anchor, because I wanted to it's try just, to be a news It's reporter. just such a... It's just such a, like this double life, the yeah. meth girl and then this uh, hyper successful girl living this double life. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's fascinating. So you, you got the job at the, at the news stations, mm -hmm. but you're not in news anymore. What happened to the news station jobs? So I got bored. I got uh, bored. I did. I got bored. So at first it was perfect for me because it was chaotic. I got to listen to all the scanners, 180 different scanners, trying to listen for the words DOS, which means dead on scene, listening to everybody's business, what's going on, getting to look up people's backgrounds. And I, I was like, I mean, for a girl that likes to gossip. That was the job. <laughs> like, I loved it. I got to launch the chopper and try to tell people where, like, watch the car chase and tell the reporters which way to turn. I was trying to learn how to read a maps go, which fail, but I was trying and it was chaotic and it, it gave me that thrill. So I didn't need meth anymore. I, I was high on the news, high on news and anybody that works in the news business. And okay, you but to sit here and listen, you say all that, and then hear you say, well, I got bored. I did. So, because I invented a product of on course. my night shift. So, I was working the overnight shift, and I had an idea for a tanning bed. I wanted to invent, I hate those flimsy rafts where you get in the pool and the water's halfway up your sides anyway, and your tanning lotion's coming off. So I wanted to invent something that keeps you up above the water and accelerates your tan. So picture a aluminum taco is basically what I invented. An aluminum taco. Yeah. It's pretty embarrassing. This, this sounds like it would crisp your skin. Yeah. That was the point. Okay. So, yeah. But how did an aluminum taco float out of the water? It was an inflatable Aluminum taco. The inside of it was lined with mylar, and the outside of it was lined. What's mylar? It's like a reflective material. Okay, the aluminum taco. Yeah. All right, and so, but the outside, but it was had a big enough base at the bottom that it floated out of the water. Mm -hmm. So, you can tan all months of the year, all summer long, even or all year long, even whenever it's cold. I remember I did an infomercial as seen on TV and everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not laughing at your invention, but I just can imagine, like, it being a hot dog in a oh, bun. Dude, 
Yes. And and ended up looking like a hot dog when you come out of that thing. And think like it's so weird because now that I've achieved a different level of success, I look back and I'm like, how was I not embarrassed? Like meth girl invents aluminum taco. Like I bet my high school friends were like just laughing. Or they just said, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know what, I guess it's God. I don't know what kept me moving forward, even though I was doing outrageous things. That I, I just have to ask you, so you quit the newsroom. I did you not quit. I got for- fired. Okay. See, the, the the story, the plot thickens. <laughs> you said that you were doing the newsroom thing and you got bored and you invented the hot dog taco mm-hmm. crispy thing. But mm-hmm. did you get fired because they heard about the uh, aluminum taco and thought you were nuts? No, they were. Um, sometimes my bosses would get annoyed because I was so passionate about so you can I just interject real quick and tell you like how, it's your first time. Oh well, you know, sorry. It's <laughs> it's it's like the story is so easy to follow, and there's 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 tens of thousands of people listening to this that are that are trying to follow along, because basically we've got a girl that grew up started with a perfect life that we now unfold a high school cheerleader meth addict who got a news job from a pizza box and then invented a taco. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry for trying to string that together. So <laughs> the um, I, I am so taken by how willing you are to be candid about all of your failures thus far. And I find that um, refreshing. How, how come it's so easy for you to talk about this? Or is it easy for you to talk about this? It is easy to talk about my failures. What has never been easy for me. And maybe it's easy because I've always amplified my failures to protect my dad. Hmm. And so what's not easy for me, and I keep like even sitting here, I'm like, I hope tens of thousands of people don't listen to this because I just want to. I just don't want. I, my dad, I love my dad so much and I don't want to villain, like, I don't want my dad to be a villain in this story. He was a broken person that had unresolved trauma that just didn't know how to cope. And I. You said that. And I, I think, uh, honestly, all, all, no kidding at all. There are broken people everywhere. And more than, there's a large percentage of people listening to us right now that are broken. And to hear a daughter take up for her very broken dad is um, full of redemption and grace. So, I mean, I wouldn't worry about that. I I don't think it's so clear you're not throwing your dad under the bus. But what is also so clear is you are so willing to laugh at your past failures, which I think is so important because... Without struggle, there's never progress, and you are a living embodiment of that. And I still don't know why you got fired from the newsroom. (laughs) Oh, man. You know what? If I were to ever start drinking again, I'd want to drink with you. Oh, (laughs) well, thanks. I, you know, I I really appreciate that. But, um, like, you just seem like the guy to have a beer with, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm a Manhattan guy. So not much beer, but um, 
Yeah, and I guess if I was ever to try meth, you'd be a blast to do it with. <laughs> Thank that, you. Yeah, anytime. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you get fired from the newsroom? So um, the that pesky uh, reply all button is what did it. So it wasn't even a reply all. It was a forward. So there was a guy that was a great friend of mine who, by the way, he told me there's no way you're going to get a job here, Sherry. It's the fifth largest market. There's just no way. There's no way. There's no way. I will never forget walking into that newsroom and tapping him on the shoulder. I was like, hey, and I showed him my badge. And he was like, what? (laughs) So that same guy ended up moving on and getting a job at a much larger network. And it was the weekend and he emailed me and was like, hey, do you think the news producers will want this awesome footage? It was footage for something. And I was like, sure, that'd be great. Well, he had, for whatever reason, replaced the subject line, even though we had a text thread going back and forth of how I felt about my coworkers. And... um I thought I was like, haha, I'm giving them all this awesome footage. But what I accidentally did was forward the entire newsroom, including like the GM and the news director, a whole thread of, I mean, basically, I'll tell you exactly what the email said, if you want yeah. to know. Yeah, I bet you do. Um, it said, everyone here sucks big balls. <laughs> <laughs> and you sent that to the entire newsroom. I did. The recall button does not work, by the way. I frantically tried to recall it when I had a colleague come up to me and said, what did you just do? So that sucked. Literally big balls. And, um, but I worked the next day. They had me come in to, and work the next day and everyone. Yeah, because tr- you told them they suck big balls and they wanted to fire you in person. Well, no, it, it worse. Or ball you up in your taco and burn you. <laughs> hey, it wasn't invented yet. Oh. But I. It was invented. I was waiting for the inventory to come in from China. But I was like, man, everyone's- I can imagine right now a garage full of boxes of these things that you're trying to figure out how to sell. Yes, I have a picture of me standing in front of all of them, and I sold every single last one of them. First of all, I was kidding. I can't believe that's really the truth. I do believe you sold all of them. Yes. I bet you didn't make a dime, but go ahead. You got that right. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's failure. My next failure we'll talk about. Next failure is the- um, the the non-profitable aluminum floating the non-profitable, taco thing. And it was only non-profitable because I didn't understand profit margins in retail versus wholesale, by the way. So it was ignorance was why it wasn't profitable, not the desire of my customers wanting my product. You live and you learn. Yes. Anyways, um, the next day was the 2011 Mavs championship. So I came to work and I wasn't fired and I worked and I was treated great. Everyone treated me great. And I was like, ha, guess I'm going to get some respect around here. You know, (laughs) I just couldn't believe it. I was like, wow. And then at the end of my shift, um, because it was a Sunday at the end of my shift, she was like, I need you to come in tomorrow so we can have a discussion about that email. And I was like, "Okay, on my day off, but fine. So I drove in and then they said, you know, we're going to fire you. And I was like, well, why didn't you fire me? yesterday and they're like it was the Mavs championship on a Sunday we needed you (laughs) I was like thanks oh my gosh yeah so 
How old are and you And I do this have time? a picture of me on my last day of work. You could probably find it on my Facebook. I'm holding up a peace sign, like, in front, like, holding up a shirt or something, like, celebrating the Mavs winning. Because that was my last day in the newsroom. How old were you? So, 2011? I don't know. That's uh, not that long ago. It seems like ages ago. I'm 36 now. Okay. So, you were 26, 5, something like that. So, so about ten, it was ten years ago. So you get canned, you. And the next day, a whole month early, I couldn't believe it. A truck backs up, beep beep beep, with all the all the tacos. inventory, and I posted a picture the next day with a thumbs up in front of all my inventory. And to this day, my colleagues from CVS, they're like, "Are you sure you didn't do that on purpose to just <laughs> like leave with an attitude?" I'm like, "Dude, I would have done something less humiliating." <laughs> we'll be right back. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I'm trying to understand the the transfer from the newsroom to the Floating Tacos to what you do now. Okay. So Floating Tacos um, ended up – so you're right. I did not make a dime, and that was tough. I have to – I have to – let you know that the minute you told me the idea, I assumed you didn't make any money. <laughs> yeah, I did not because it cost me thirty dollars to manufacture, and I was selling them for ninety nine ninety five. But what I didn't realize is that all my customers would actually be like Leslie's Pools or like retail, and I guess I just was young and dumb and didn't realize the whole like. They want it for half the price of what it will retail. Yeah, they want to make money. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I thought that was rude, but yeah. So, <laughs> that was rude. <laughs> yep. Okay. So, yeah. So, yeah, I wasn't, but I did make money if I, so that's why I was trying to like literally go door to door. And I even remember getting a, I, I made, I made so many stupid decisions and it was all for pride. Again, I was, trying to seek validation through success and prove to everyone, especially from high school, like I'm not a loser anymore. Look. And so I even really do get that. I think I know what would have made it go. What? Had you included one free jar of peanut butter syrup with every purchase? (laughs) That's what would have done it. That would have made it work. That would have done it. Gosh, they could have see, scrubbed that on the inside say, of the taco, and you could have just sunbathed in that or, stuff. Or you don't even have to get a real tan. Just rub this crap on you, and you'll look tan. Yeah, I pretty much think that's kind of a Venn diagram of all your bad ideas at once right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so it you sold them. I you didn't make much money, but you got out of them. I much money. I was doing what, – so what made me – I'm not going to go back in time just to prove you wrong, but I do feel like if I would have kept at it with just like anything else, determination would have made it. I would have made it. But I was like, this sucks. It's not making money. And I found where I was making a lot more money was PR because being in the newsroom, I got really good at trying to get my friends on the news without my news director knowing that they were my friends. And I didn't realize that that's essentially just PR convincing the news stations why a business should and networking. be on the news yeah so and clearly you have that bent because the um hire me and i will deliver on a delivered pizza that's clutch yeah yeah so you got that so i yeah and so there and was you're also only 25 you're just a kid yeah i was so there is this guy that always sent us ideas he was a pr guy i reached out to him and i was like i need money i think i can be a pr person and he was like well a lot of people think they can be a pr person and it doesn't always translate and i was like just let me take a crack at it give me a list of all your clients i think i can get them on the news 
20 bucks an hour. And he was like, well, how many hours do you want to work? I was like 40. And so he was like, okay. I came back a few days later. I think at the time he had like 30 clients and I was like, okay. And I had a check mark next to each one that I had in the works of getting on the news and making a story for it. And almost all of them, I had something in the works. I didn't know that that was good. I just was, I was you just dis- assumed that's what you were supposed to do. I was disappointed in myself for not having them all on TV. And so it was within that year, I was making six figures and vice president of that PR firm. Amazing. Yeah. So, um, and why'd you get fired from there? I didn't get fired. Oh, okay. That's good. First I, time. I, <laughs> you left that Actually, one. Actually, the newsroom was the first time I ever got fired from oh. any job. You didn't get fired from putting meth in the mashed potatoes at Golden Corral? Mm-mm. Nope. Well, that tells you something about Golden Corral. So <laughs> anyway, you left there, though. Right? I did. Um, and looking back, like a good little entrepreneurial lesson, he was an amazing boss. And I could have I worked from home. I had my own schedule. The job was for me. It was easy. PR credit scores coming up. Yeah. PR is very easy for me. But it was my pride. I wanted to be an all-in, 100% entrepreneur. So I wasn't going to try to be... You want to do it for you. Well, I wasn't going... I didn't want to be a entrepreneur. I didn't want to work a job and try to... I'm an addict. I I wanted to be zero or all-in. Looking back, I could have... And he was such a great guy. He's still a great guy. We still talk. He would have allowed me to build the company I'm trying to build while producing results for his company. But it was my pride. So I started volunteering with the Prison Entrepreneurship Program. Okay, here we go. This now is we're where get, now we're getting toward cornbread hustle. Yes, explain that program. So that that existed before you. Yes, that was absolutely. A program. So what I what had is that? ended up actually through it was a client through the PR firm. I was interviewing him and prepping him for a news interview, and I had somehow I hadn't told anyone about the meth stuff yet. I didn't tell anybody at all. And I told him um, a little bit about my story. And he was like, I think you'd really like the prison entrepreneurship program. And I was like, wait, hold up. Prison entrepreneurship? Are you kidding me? Yeah. When I first heard that, I was like, prison entrepreneurship program. I I mean, first blush, that just teaches them how to make a better drug dealing operation when they get out of prison. Or take your drug dealing skills. <laughs> And put it to the next level, (laughs) put it towards entrepreneurship. I'm telling you, do you not hire any former drug dealers? Uh, I don't know. They're great employees. I have hired many uh, formerly incarcerated people and some are some. And I can think of three right now that are long term great employees, which is one of the reasons why I was so interested in your story, because I, too, have people that work for me that have been in jail and uh, a number of them for vi- a number of them for things like DUIs and drugs and things like that, but also some violent, mm-hmm. very violent manslaughter. And um, um, I have had, I have been so amazed by their appreciation for an opportunity to just be treated like a normal person and prove themselves after they've paid their debt to their society. And, um, which is why I was so drawn to your story, but we're getting ahead of ourselves because people don't even understand what you do yet. So we're going to unpack that. You, 
there was this prison entrepreneurial, what's it called? Prison Entrepreneurship Program. Prison Entrepreneurship Program. And you had a PR client. That suggested that it might be something I'm interested in. And in my and you mind, did it originally as a volunteer. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, it. Volunteer. So in my mind, I was like, holy cow. Like, Because I knew I should be in prison with all the activity. Which is so important for people to understand why we unpacked all of that at mm -hmm. the beginning of this conversation is that all of that gave you a reality for this. And I knew... I mean, you've been arrested and everything, but you never really served time mm -hmm. in prison, but you felt like you had earned prison. You just <laughs> avoided it a by lot. the grace of God, I guess. Yeah, a lot of grace. So... Um, where are we? Oh, prison entrepreneurship program. So I felt like I knew these people would be resilient. Like you, you told me you're like Cherry, you're unconventional, like non traditional route. Like you're you're wild. I knew that these people. Unfortunately, I had the wrong mindset back then, and I I talk about this all the time. I thought. They'll be just like me. They'll seek validation and not quit as long as they're winning. I'm going to show them how to win. That was my goal. That's interesting, but that's assuming they're all addicts, right? If you, I don't want to blanket anybody because I do hire a lot of people. We hired a thousand people in the last year. And, but I will say that if you've done prison time, it's most likely you have unresolved trauma and it's most likely that you are going to want to feel like you belong to something that's helping you feel successful. That makes complete sense. Yeah. So, so tell me about the first person you helped. So I go into the as, as As a volunteer. Yeah. So as a volunteer, I'm in there. And so I reached out to PEP, the Prison Entrepreneurship Program, like, hey, I know how to do PR. That's how I ended up on the Steve Harvey show. What? Do you go you you go from 1 to 50. You didn't tell me about the Steve Harvey show. We hadn't even talked about the Steve Harvey show. Well, we're talking about it now. Okay, well okay, let's let's hear about the Steve Harvey that show. That was the You first, were on Family Feud? It was in Family Feud. Oh. I would have lost. Uh, Can you imagine <laughs> your family when you were in high school on the Family Feud? No. The meth thing? God. Can you imagine how funny that would have been? <laughs> I wouldn't be funny. It'd be horrible. It would have been horrible. Yeah. It'd be funny now. Steve Harvey would have had fun with it. True. We'll be right back. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. 
someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players redemption seekers and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars anyone can win relationships matter and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts So how'd you end up on the Steve Harvey show? So that's when I decided to share my story for the first time about meth. I never shared it, but I was inspired through volunteering with the prison entrepreneurship program. I was still working for the PR firm. But that doesn't explain how you got on the Steve Harvey show. There's a lot of people volunteering at the entrepreneurial thing in prison. Something, I ended up talking to some casting lady. I can't remember how it happened, but I shared my story and she ended up convincing me that Steve Harvey shows a good platform to put it out there. He's hilarious. Yeah. He's also much deeper than people give him credit. Oh, he's they think amazing. He's a Cana- he, they, they think he's all a comedian, but he's... Mm-hmm. He's a godly man for sure. He is. He's mm-hmm. a good man. Mm-hmm. And he's really good with his family. So who's the first guy you helped, Sherry? His name was Benny. And so I had been volunteering for a couple of years because it takes time for them to get out of prison. Right. So a couple of years later, people started getting out of prison, and I was at the transition house, the PEP transition house. Benny, Is that like people get out? It's a halfway house. It's a halfway house. house. Okay. It, it's just a more kind term to say transition house. Um, so we're in the transition house, and he's like, man. He, Benny. Benny. Okay. He's like, I got to get a job. I remember it, it used to make me laugh so hard. You would have fun. Hanging out with people on their first day out of prison. 
So I remember driving and him being like sticking his head out the window about to throw up. Because think about the motion sickness of somebody who's been in prison for 20 years. Right. And uh, him trying sushi for the first time. Um, not knowing what Google is. Hold it, time out. You're telling me a guy gets out of prison and you take him for sushi? I did. That's so weird. All right, so anyway, would you please tell me how you helped You know Benny? what I did? Okay, you want to know my, my favorite thing that I, I, I probably- I mean, did you make him take his shoes off and sit Indian style on the little pillow and all that? <laughs> no. I hate sushi. You- Can't stand it. <laughs> Have you ever? If I ever go to prison and and you or or a producer over here, Alex, picks me up, do not take me to get sushi. It's ridiculous. But that was the whole funny thing about it. Can you imagine how funny it is? A person coming out of prison and looking at sushi and trying to use chopsticks. After he almost got nauseous on the ride home? No, I can't imagine any of this. I can't. It I, wasn't after the nauseous, okay? We, it was I think it was the sushi day. that made him nauseous because <laughs> sushi sucks. <laughs> I hate sushi. So you still hadn't told me how you helped him. So far, you've told me how you've made him nauseous and got him sushi. <laughs> yeah, we did. We Look, I had a lot of fun with these guys and girls. There's a lot. Like, you asked me, how do you laugh at yourself and talk about your failures? That's how, like, community, we have fun. We don't see everything as, like, a grind. And there's a lot of laughter. So, which, by the way, one of the guys who I'm very good friends with right now, I couldn't help myself. It was a, it was a prank. Um, he thought the wasabi was avocado. <laughs> <laughs> he, how so, much did he eat at once oh my god so he goes oh and i hope i'm gonna tell him to listen to this just so he knows that i'm telling the story he pointed at my plate and he was like you're not gonna eat your guacamole i and i felt the horns come out from my forehead i was like what you like guacamole he was like yeah what are you talking about of course i like guacamole and i was like prove it eat that whole glob <laughs> <laughs> so I was in Chicago about 25 years on a sales trip and it was an international trade show. And there were these two Italian guys. One spoke decent English. Those others spoke almost nothing. And they'd been on an all night flight to get to Chicago. And we met them in the lobby in the hotel lobby bar. And we were sitting there having a beer and some nuts or a drink or whatever. And the, the Italian that didn't speak very good English at all was sick. I mean, his nose was running, his eyes were running, he was sneezing. I felt so sorry for the guy. And it was a nice lobby and it had one of the, like a store over to the side of the lobby where you can go get, you know, Cokes and, you know, Tylenol and all that. And, um, he wanted some nasal spray. So he went over to the, uh, to the to the commissary to get some nasal spray he came back to our little table which was kind of a couch and two chairs in this nice lobby and we're drinking and he unwraps it and i don't pay much attention to him he sticks that thing in his nostril and holds his finger with his other nostril and squeezes and sucks it up and you know because it's nasal spray and there's about a three second delay and italians are dark complected guys and in about four seconds he was as red as someone who got stuck in one of your tacos <laughs> and his started sweating and he started shaking and everything and i grabbed it and it was banaca do you know what banaca is that oh you put on gosh, your tongue that really yes. just one dot oh makes your whole gosh. tongue 
he sucked half a, bana- a bottle of banaca off one of his nostrils because we had an Italian not speaking English tried to buy something oh at a store and, and he sucked the whole thing of banaca. I thought he was going to have a coronary right in front of us. My brother accidentally brushed his teeth with the icy hot once thinking it was toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was it was when we were younger and he was watching the TV with his mouth open <laughs> trying to trying to cool down his teeth it was the funniest thing so um just to be clear you hazed a returning <laughs> citizen from jail by making him eat do you take everybody to eat you're gonna uh, sushi. Get, l- listen, you're gonna get me canceled, okay? I'm not gonna get you canceled. You're gonna get yourself canceled because that's hazing. <laughs> so, to be fair, they haze me back. Okay? I'm certain they do. <laughs> what did you do for Benny? So Benny, he was very discouraged with his job search, and he said, "I'm just gonna go get a job as a dishwasher." And I was like, well, why do you sound so upset about it? He was like, because I got to take what I can get and I'm a felon and it's all that I'll be able to get. And I said, well, what's your dream? Like, what what's your dream job? What would you like if you could do anything right now and you didn't have a felony, what would you do? And he was like, Sherry, remember when we were driving, when I had my head out the window about to puke? I saw all those murals in uh, Deep Ellum. He said, I can do that. I'm a great artist. And I said, let me see some of your work. And his work was amazing with nothing. He taught himself how to draw in prison. And so I was like, all right, so who's to say you can't have that job? He was like, because I'm a felon. I said, I don't know. I got th- So this is where the dots connect because, and you say, why do you talk so candidly about your failures? Because I got that job in the newsroom, I knew that there's no barrier that can hold anybody back from anything as long as you really put your mind to it. So yeah, you learned that for sure. Yeah. So I said, let's just, first of all, I, I got to show him what Google was and how it works. So we went to Google and I typed in Dallas Mural Painting Company. And I called the number on the first one that popped up. And I was like, hey, my name's Sherry. I'm volunteering with an organization. And I, I didn't say which one yet. And I said, I have a guy here who's really interested in working for you. And I see some of your work on your website. His drawings are just as good. Uh, man, not maybe even better. Like, he's a good guy. He's going to be an asset to your team. And if you have an open position, he's willing to work for just $10 an hour because the job he was going to take was only $8 an hour as a dishwasher. And so Benny was thrilled to even have the idea. Plus, there's something he actually likes he to do. He wants to do. And because I remembered what helped me get off meth was sharing on social media all my achievements. Again, remember, that wasn't the right way because we're going to talk about some more of my failures on not getting to the root cause and seeking all the validation. But because I knew it worked for me, I thought maybe this will work for him. And so the guy was like, well, yeah, uh, so what's the catch? And I was like, well, he just got out of prison after uh, serving 20 years for a violent crime. But he's a really great guy. And... (laughs) If you're interested in interviewing him, I'll meet you at a Starbucks. I still have the picture of him sitting at the Starbucks being interviewed. And if you don't hire him, no harm, no foul. Maybe you have a good story to tell somebody. But I'll come there so you don't have to be afraid. And so I sat there. He interviewed him. Benny got the job on the spot. And Would Benny bring like his artwork with him and show yeah, this guy? Yeah. Right? Yep. 
and he got the job. And what I thought happened ended up happening. Benny was posting on Facebook all of his work and how proud he was of it. He was doing the kids' murals in the hallways at churches. It's really cool. At churches? Yep. He was he was doing all the paintings in the churches for the murals. and um, Just out of curiosity, is he a faithful guy too? Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. Isn't that something? Yeah. Fast forward to today, he earns six figures. He's doing amazing. And he did start his own mural painting company. And that was my goal, was to help people reverse engineer what their dream is, but do it through entrepreneurship and learn while you're getting paid and get on your feet. Sherry, if that was the only story we were going to talk about, all of your failures would have been worth it. Because my guess is if Benny had gone to washing dishes, a mundane thing he hated. Now, there's nothing wrong with washing dishes. If you like working in kitchens and around food, it's a great place to start. Work your way up in the kitchen. But that wasn't his passion. If he'd have gone to do that, can you see a pathway for him to have had a fulfilling life? Or, I mean, that's where recidivism comes from, mm-hmm. is that very thing. Mm-hmm. And instead, this guy is a taxpaying, productive Mm -hmm. member of society that has started his own company. And that all came from just a normal person who had her own failures, seeing a place where she could help Mm -hmm. and saying, hey, I can do it. Yeah. Well, that's worth all the failures to get you to that point. Just that point is... A phenomenal success. So now you see why I can talk about them so easily because my failures literally have made other people's lives better. Wow. My failures literally make other people's lives better. I cannot think of a more poignant quote to illustrate what servant leadership is really about. That's powerful. And if you're not finished getting inspired by Sherry's story, join us for part three. It's available right now. And I hope to see you there. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming. 
Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.